Support for today's show comes from Deloitte. Here's the story of innovation told in five words. Try, explore, connect, pivot, transform. See what happened there? As soon as Connect entered the story, innovation became achievable. That's why Deloitte works with clients and tech alliances to bring together the people, ideas, and technologies to overcome, solve, and of course, transform. Connect to what matters for innovation. Start at Deloitte.com slash US slash innovate. That guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are in APY. APY can change at any time. Hi, everyone. From New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network, this is the Oscars with 100% less slapping. Just kidding. This is on with Kara Swisher. There's 200% more slapping, and I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Naima Raza. I do no slapping, but I'm very excited to see who's going to come into the Oscars with a Zempic. Oh, all of them. I keep seeing people, and I'm like, maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe it's a Zempic. Come on. Like, really? I see a lot of people. It's just pretty obvious. Like, you don't lose weight that quickly without some assistance. Anyways, people are digging the Benioff interview. Yeah, it went very well. It's very polarizing. People, Some people think he's a master, and some people think that he is too interrupty. And- eh, whatever. I think it was fine. I think people read into it what they want to bring to it. I thought it was a great interview. I think he did answer a lot of questions. He did try to get away from a lot of questions, and that's typical. But he, I think he was there and present, and that's what I, that's all I require, really. I, I love the art of it. It's like the master deflector interviewer dynamic. It's an art. Yeah, he tries. It's not that hard to pin him down, but, yeah. you know, he was good. I texted him today about Elon's latest ridiculousness. One day we're going to have an interview where we don't discuss Elon at all. But it's not today because he did come up in today's interview, which was also taped live. Well, he inserts himself into every controversy, so it's hard not to. Okay. Today's interview was also taped live at the Upfront Summit where we were last week. It's with two people. Jamie Lee Curtis, who's nominated for her first Oscar for her work in Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Donna Langley, who runs Universal's film division. And the two of them, of course, were collaborators on the Halloween reboot, which has led to the Genesons. Can I call it that? The uh, no, Genesons? please don't. No, <laughs> no. No. The I think she's one of these actors who's very popular and has been in very popular movies like True Lies and Free Friday. And also has like an, an incredible brain, an entrepreneurial brain, who's done all this other stuff and now has a role that she gets honored for, which probably she'll win the Oscar. And then Donna Langley, who's been had a real run of success at Universal with a lot of the movies they've been doing, not just this, but the Fast and Furious franchise. It didn't start with Donna, but they have a new one coming, mm-hmm. um, Cocaine Bear. And so Cocaine Bear, everyone's talking about Cocaine Bear. Well, it's doing rather well. So there's nothing like a hate watch. Yeah. We got to meet both of these powerhouses backstage. And Jamie was a riot because we're like, oh, you're all of us after that Ariana DeBose. No, you said that. I, I said that. I said, you're all of us. For people who do not know, there was a great BAFTA segment by Ariana DeBose where she was like honoring everybody. Angela Bassett did the thing. Viola Davis, my woman king. Blanche Kate, you're a genius. Jamie Lee, you are all of us. She came out very fiercely defending Ariana DeBose, which I thought was 
wonderful. And then she went on to tell us she had invented many things, including Instagram. Yeah, and she did. I sort of Do was you like, think? absolutely, 100%. I don't, usually people tell me things, I'm like, that's ridiculous. But she showed me a site that she had on Blogspot called iPhonies. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, what she did is she's very interested in photography. And she has a lot of relationships with, with professional photographers and art. She's very interested. And she had collected them in a spot and they had been posting photos and discussing and commenting on them. And mm -hmm. uh, they didn't have the filters, which was a big deal on Instagram. Yes. But she certainly was in the same direction. I don't know. By that measure, it's Flickr Instagram. But anyways. Um, she also has two patents, which I think are brilliant. One is a diaper that has a wipe in it. Uh, mm -hmm. already. It's called Dipe and Wipe. She sent me the patent. Um, <laughs> and then one that also then adds a bag. And anyone who has kids, brilliant. I don't, She never um, productized it, but she's really, um, she's really quite clever and, and she writes books and she does all she's she's of many she contains multitudes let's yeah. just say she's very much a renaissance woman <laughs> but you know curtis is now at she i think she's just over 60 years old is just starting to produce yeah she's been very active in lots of ways but in this way she's she's rather than just being the, the vehicle she's becoming the driver which i thought was great that's happening yeah. all over the workforce people don't want to stay in the lane people want to you know reap the benefits of their talents and do more and it's definitely happening in hollywood where actors are saying hey i drive the box office yeah but not everybody can let's just say yeah, not like, everyone i think can. she she is a, uniquely and i think that's what uh, langley picked up on she's a uniquely entrepreneurial person and so not everyone can do that. They yeah. can say they're a producer, but I think she really has the... There's Pinos. Pinos. What, what is that? Producers in name only. That's a good name. Um, Donna Langley, also fresh off a strong opening for Cocaine Bear. Mm -hmm. uh, probably that one is not going to be nominated, but she's she's fantastic and obviously done a great job running the studio. Have you watched a lot of this year's Oscar nominees, by the way? I haven't watched all of them, but I will. I will get to them. I didn't watch uh, Triangle of Sadness. Which Triangle of Sadness did. is great. Yeah, and there's, um, I think there's 10 of them. I've watched, I think, eight of them. But I'm, of course, pulling for everything, everywhere, all at once. And also Top Gun. Either one, I'd be very happy if they won. <laughs> it would be a big coup if everything, everywhere won, because it's such a, it, it's so wacky and wonderful. It would be a delight. And it would show that the Academy is moving from, like, La La Land and a lot of the stodgier. Mm -hmm. But everything, everywhere is fantastic because, I mean, it's, what, sub-$14 million budget and then a $100 million box office. So it proves a theory that you don't need to have a blockbuster budget to have a blockbuster film. Yeah. And that is a really romantic concept. Who would you like to win? Oh, would I like? I think that, um, I think maybe everything, everywhere, but also... It's possible Fableman's because Spielberg. Just not tar. I still don't get it. I know a lot of people are trying to push it, but I just couldn't understand it. It's was, a film made for you. No, it's, <laughs> it's not. It's not. I was expecting some nice Kate Blanchett as a lesbian, and I did not get any of that. So anyway. In the film, yeah, she is. She's not, really. She just wears a lot of lesbian-looking suits, but otherwise, <laughs> no. So The other one that might win, by the way, is All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, I have not seen that. They love a war film. They love a war film. It looks wonderful. Well, my money's on everything, everywhere, all at once. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with our guests, Jamie Lee Curtis and Donna Langley. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. 
Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power the collaboration for teams to accomplish what could otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR, and legal, can stay connected and moving together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Support for this show comes from Virgin Atlantic. Travel can be stressful. I don't think that's a controversial take. Sure, we all love taking a vacation and that moment we finally get a chance to relax, but we're always so focused on the destination that the journey just feels like a means to an end. Well, what if it wasn't? What if the time you spent getting there was just as enjoyable as the vacation itself? That's what Virgin Atlantic believes. That's why they offer loads of special extra touches that make your trip one to remember for all the best reasons. Picture this, you've made it to the airport, checked in your bags, and finally have a moment to settle in before takeoff. If you're flying upper class, you could be putting your feet up in a Virgin Atlantic clubhouse at London Heathrow with food made fresh to order and champagne delivered straight to your table with a tap of a QR code. I mean, it's rude not to, right? Once you're in the air, the experience continues with deliciously different dining, seriously comfy seats, and the best crew in the sky by miles. Check out virginatlantic.com for your next trip and see the world differently. Well, hi, everybody. Thank you for being here. Um, Jamie really wanted to do that stunt, obviously, <laughs> from True Lies, but we had to stop her from doing it. Um, I'm so glad to talk to you both. I'm very excited. Um, I think we have to start with you, Jamie. You're oh, up for your... Oh, fuck. What, really? What do you mean, oh, fuck? <laughs> really? Listen, okay. Don't be more difficult oh, than I'm Elon so... Musk, because I have ways okay. of dealing with that. Um, so you're up for your first Oscar. I am. Your role for Deirdre. <laughs> Uh, in everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, will you win? <laughs> yes. No. I, I, I'll be honest with you. Okay. Um, I the whole season of shiny things. Yeah. Um, uh, has just been uh, a bit of a blur for me because. Mm -hmm. Who I am as a human being, I started out in horror films. The idea of going to the Oscars was never going to be. I'm a genre actor. I'm in horror films. I'm in comedies. I've been naked. Mm -hmm. Sorry. But, you know, yeah. and because of that, I just We've seen didn't... you naked. Go ahead. And I sold yogurt that makes you shit for six years. Yes. yes. For money. <laughs> yeah. So I could stay home and take care of my kids. So the truth of the matter is I never thought the Oscars were going to be right. something associated with me. So I have never uh, allowed myself even a glimmer of So it. you're not even going to say, yes, of course I'm fucking going to win. You're going to obviously win. I really don't think that's going to happen. And the tr here's the only thing I'll say about the Oscars, because it's the only tangible thing, and I'm a tangible gal. Right, okay. The women who I am in a competition with, which is not my competition, 
um, have become friends of mine okay. through this process of Zooms and meetings right. and going to panels. I actually now know them. Yeah. And they've become human and kind. Oh. And so the truth is, I don't care. Whoever wins it, all of those women are lovely women. They've all worked hard. They have all hustled. They've all had heartbreak. All right. So for me, that's the great takeaway. Can I see your I won face? Well, if you you followed me, Kara, on all the social medias that I invented. I have been watching you on the social medias. (laughs) Then you will have seen the actual shock and awe of the moment that my name was called on Oscar Morning when my girlfriend, Deborah Oppenheimer, came over to hold my yeah. hand and took a photograph of me, um, without me knowing it, that was shocked. All right, we will talk about that, okay. because it seems like you're having a blast. I'm, you know what? If I'm not having a blast doing this, then what the fuck am I ever going to have a blast doing? <laughs> that is like, this point. is the, should be the greatest time of my life, and so far, up until today, it... <laughs> <I'm joking. laughs> No worries. It's been great. <laughs> All right. So, Donna, your Studio Universal is also nominated, by the way, for a lot of things. Steven Spielberg's biopic, The Fablemans, Tar, Tar. with six nominations. Um, and Puss in Boots. Puss in Boots. Sorry, I missed that one. Um, Tar, I, you need to explain it to me. And I went as a lesbian and still don't understand it. Um, <laughs> but how important the Oscars for the studios now, especially when you compete with streamers like Netflix? So, you know... So there's two ways to look at this whole awards craziness, right? Right. There's the awards themselves and what they mean, and then there's the business of it. The awards themselves and what they mean is meaningful. Um, You know, to be recognized by your industry peers, uh, you know, and to be rewarded and awarded for that is, is amazing. It's wonderful. Um, you know, we were all at the Academy lunch the other day, which is this, inc- it's, it's one of the best events of the whole endless award season, um, where all of the nominees get together and they have lunch and it's very democratic because you don't sit at the table of your movie. You get to sit with all different kinds of people. You meet people from all over the world who have, you know, they're being recognized for excellence in their field, whether it's visual effects or sound editing or, you know, whatever it is. So you're reminded that this is, you know, we're an industry of craftsmen and artists and creative people. And so I think that's the really amazing part of it. And that's the part of it that sometimes gets lost along the way. Right, if this it's whole, become a spectacle. It's become a, media a spectacle. marketing spectacle. Right, and, and the spectacle is okay if it's in service of, you know, the sort of export business, if you will, that Hollywood is and Hollywood right. movies are. Where, it, where it, it, it sort of become less relevant in a way, where it's become less relevant in a number of ways. The shows themselves obviously don't get the viewership that they used to, and there's mm-hmm. a bunch of reasons why. But the business of it, it used to be that, You know, you would release kind of Academy movies at the end of the year and then they would be in the movie theaters and then the awards would come out and then people would be driven to go and see them in the movie theaters. Now with collapsed windows, you can see everything at home. It's just become less of a a sort of financial business proposition. Right. Um, You know, so that window of, you know, getting nominated to, you know, potentially winning used to be pretty lucrative. It's not anymore. It's not. It's not the thing that makes these movies... 
it's not, people it's go not to really them. why you do it. No, definitely not. Definitely not. So just the lunch, essentially. It's just a lunch. It's right, great. It's right. a great lunch. I heard not, you, not particularly good food, Jamie, but good I heard company. you had a thing with Tom Cruise there. You're well, both. by the way, who saved show business, Right. Tom Cruise, with right. Top Gun. I mean, right. Jerry Bruckheimer. I mean, right. that movie was such a big success. It really did establish that people will go back to the movies, yeah. um, as they did, by the way, with Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yes, I think the yes, best picture of 2022. I mean, I don't know if that was a plug or not, but maybe it was, because maybe there's a voter in here. <laughs> yeah, okay. And the voting opened today, and we are sitting in the Academy Theater. Okay, all right. And if that isn't a connect the dot, I'm not sure what is. <laughs> okay. um, um, I did run into him. Uh, I don't know him. Uh, I was walking through, uh, it's too long of a story, but my daughter was in there, and I was trying to get to her, because they sort of separate you, uh, the nominees, to get your picture taken, blah, blah, blah. And as I was walking through to get to my table, I heard off my left side, hey, Jamie, and I turned around, and it was Tom. And we don't know each other, but we know each other because the two of us have been doing this for a very long yes. time in fields that don't get the gold shiny things. Mm -hmm. um, we have both been... Hanging think, from helicopters. Hanging from helicopters, doing stunts, but also doing genre movies and mm -hmm. movies that generate a lot of money for um, it, the economy of the, of the movie other. business, but they are overlooked. Um, right. And so there we were, these two veterans, uh, kind of, he grabbed my face. He said, can you believe we're here? Wow. And I said, no, I can't. Did he it was jump beautiful. up and down? Say again? Did he jump up and down? He was enthusiastic. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, just want I want to make sure, on brand. So one of the things, you know, Tom Cruise is a huge star. He's done rather well with that movie. Yes. Um, but very few women have been nominated for Best Picture. None for Best Director category. It's kind of hard not to ask, why is that? And should the Academy consider gendered categories for director, for example? Donna, why don't you take that first? You know, I, it, I mean, it's... You've got to start from... The, the gender disparity is a problem, mm -hmm. and it's been a problem for a long time, and there are remedies that uh, have been tried that are clearly not resonating or mm -hmm. not working. Um, you know, the thing we have to do is we have to support more women early on in their careers so they can actually get to the point where, you know, they're getting the opportunities, they're getting the foot in the door. Uh, you know, it's incredibly difficult for women in particular, studies show, you know, they can get their first movie made, but to get from the first to the second is really, really difficult. You know, so I think just as an industry, we, we've got to continue to do that. In terms of sort of passing up the categories, you know, I, maybe, maybe that's an answer. You know, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, again, it sort of comes to this thing, people need to be recognized, the criteria of what you're recognizing in this whole awards thing mm -hmm. is it's got to be the excellence of the work. It has to be... right. You well, know, it's got to come regard, down to Jamie, that. What about dismantling gender divides for actor categories? So it's an interesting question. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also the parent of a of a trans daughter, and I I also lean toward um, when our daughter was looking for secondary school, we looked at a girls' school, and the studies and all the data shows that young women get very quiet. When there are boys around, it's just the male dominance right. is so powerful that it shuts them down emotionally and intellectually. And, of course, my daughter did not want to go <laughs> to single-sex right. um, high school. But my husband and I had the conversation about it because I understand that. So that's where I, um, because I'm a trans parent, right. 
I will always be on the side of inclusivity, mm -hmm. but in the criteria of trying to separate genders for categories, I'm concerned that women will lose out. Lose out, yes. That's, and I think, for yeah. me, the gains made by women need to be supported, not diminished. Right. And, um, and so that would be my business take on it. But yet as a parent, yeah. I want when with all of these questions, mm -hmm. it has to be inclusivity first because excluding is the thing right. that is so damaging and dangerous. Right, right. right. So you wouldn't, I, I don't think they would change it at all, but it, it's an interesting question. Yeah, I mean, I'm, for instance, it's acting is acting. Right? For instance, the Independent Spirit Awards have combined gender categories. It is best performance in a supporting role. Mm -hmm. And I am up against Key, Kwan. Mm -hmm. and many others. Right, um, who was in, amazing in your movie. Who's amazing in the movie and has been a leader in a lot of the uh, winnings of the gendered categories. Mm -hmm. So there's an example of this weekend, we will have an award show where it's an inclusive um, category. So it makes it more difficult in that regard. Again, I just think yeah. the, the, the choices for women um, need to be supported because it's your to your point about... Yeah. The business of movies and women directors. Well, let's talk about that business because you, besides this renaissance in your career that started, it really started with the reboot of the Halloween series in 2018. Maybe you don't agree with me about that. Oh, no, but of course I do. Talk about that, the idea of doing that, because it's also a business story because it was such a, an enormous... Uh, well, it's given me my entire creative life. The woman you see sitting here today who's a boss with a capital B <laughs> is because... Jason Blum gave me a deal. He, pr he produced all three. He okay. produced all three. And the first one, the 2018 Halloween, was such a monster success mm -hmm. that when I said to him, well, I have a movie I'd like to write and direct. I have ideas. Can I have a home uh, to do it in? And it's, you know, they call it a first look deal, which is right. not a lot of money. Gives you a little bit of housekeeping money. But what you do is you bring them your first look right. at whatever it is creatively that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And that has given me a platform, the platform I have never had up until, what was it, five years ago? Yeah. Um, and that then has launched me because I've been that ideal girl my whole life. Donna, why do you think it was the right time to revive it? Now, obviously, horror films um, are inexpensive. They also can do incredibly well. It's a really good, if it works, it works beautifully. But why revive it? Talk about your decision-making around that. Well, um, it, I cannot take credit for the decision to revive mm -hmm. it. It came to me via our deal with Jason Blum, with already packaged with uh, David Gordon Green writing and directing. And so it came to us as a fully-fledged thing that, of course, you know, we said yes to. We didn't hesitate. Um, what we were really excited about, though, is this idea that it was, I'm borrowing this from our head of marketing, Michael Moses, who is, you know, number one fan of, of this lady right here. Uh, they're an incredible partnership um, as a requel. So it's a sort of a, a reboot um, sequel. Mm -hmm. And really what that means is we were taking the character 
this amazing character of Laurie Strode and putting her front and center back into the franchise. Now, obviously, she'd been in the franchise in various different yeah. incarnations along the way, but this was sort of going back to the the kind of the the core canon of what launched the franchise, of that the, the sort of essence of it, if you will. Mm -hmm. And we got really, really excited about that. Because mm -hmm. um, sometimes... It Reboots don't work, right? They don't. No, no, they don't. But Often we, they don't. Yeah, and, and yeah, more times yeah. than not, that they don't because they, you know they can feel like a cynical offering to the audience. They can just, but the, again, this just felt like there there was a purity to to the concept and to the idea. And I'm, in fact, our, our first piece of anything on the movie was a picture of of Jamie as as Laurie. Mm -hmm. um, you know, however many years later, and right. it just blew up. You what know, do you think worked about it in that regard? Is because she was at the center of it, or what? The purity when you—what does that mean? And well, I mean, Jamie can probably speak more eloquently about the mythology of the whole series, but it was—it was, it was. I mean, look, it, the essence of it—it's a revenge story. You're—you know—you're you're picking up on this. On, on this kind of cat and mouse between these two characters that, you know, if you were fans of that original, you were, you were going to get to see play itself out. Um, you know, so I, I think, I think for core fans, but it became, it became more than that. And it really did become something that was, we could never have anticipated this. It was a sort of, it wasn't a comeback story because you didn't go anywhere, but it was a, it was an emergent story. And we, we called Jamie, um, a weapon of, of mass promotion. Yeah. And, and, and really, we just sort of let her go and, and have this very direct right. conversation with now, the audience. You, you don't even like horror films. I, I, I you abhor know, them. By the way, uh, the reason... <laughs> no, I abhor them and thank them, yes. you know, um, in equal parts. Uh, you know what happened? And I'm sure you've seen the meme, and if you haven't yes. seen the meme, you're certainly not techies. Right. Trauma. You see, it was right when Me Too mm -hmm. was happening. And women all over the world were saying, this happened to me, I am taking back the power. Mm -hmm. And this was a story of Laurie Strode mm -hmm. taking back her power. And the confluence right. of the women's movement, Me Too, the destruction of the men in powerful positions, or the beginning of the destruction, and a woman over the age of 55, standing up with a rifle saying, you know, me too, motherfucker, and yeah, yeah. let's go. And wow. that did ignite, because the movie was great, but really the wave was women taking back the power. I, I, and did you feel that way in the first one? I'll tell you why I hate horror movies. It's because of your movie. Sorry. I was dating a, a guy... And during the also movie, he, he had, I know, exactly. <laughs> and dur he had seen the movie before, and so he got up during that one, there's one scene where someone jumps out of somewhere. Oh, a couple. And I know, but he, the first time, and he grabbed my feet from behind at that moment, and I, that's when I became a lesbian. But um, <laughs> it was terrible. But what, <laughs> what um, why do you do them though? Because you think they are, they are big. They're mythology. I they're had stopped doing them, and as you know, have tried to do other things, and well, certainly did, did of plenty things, of other yeah. things. And uh, uh, it was the last thing I thought I would do when yeah. David Gordon Green called me. But then he told me what he was doing, and the truth of the matter is that you know it's 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 I, I can say it in here. I because I, I, I said it for the first time yesterday at Children's Hospital Los Angeles, where I am a a big advocate and supporter. 
I've made my living on violence, and I'm the, like the least violent person you would ever know. Mm-hmm. I am the softest person. I am the easiest cry in the room. And I've made my living on violence. And I'm, I'm happy I no longer have to make my living on violence. I've done it. I honored the fans. I honored the genre. I certainly... Was, it was good business. It was the last thing I thought I would do. We ended up doing three of them. They were wildly successful. Yep. And the best part is that that violence has given birth now to me having... To be able to do this. ...a position of being a boss at 64 <laughs> years old, which wow, is that's thrilling. And also take this motherfucker. Um, speaking of violence, Universal's movie Cocaine Bear just beat uh, <laughs> box office expectations. Opening weekend, the trailer... Going viral probably helped. Critics were less friendly. Some liked it, some liked it, but the Times Review subheading was the greatest joke of this blood-spattered horror comedy from Elizabeth Banks is that it exists. Um, <laughs> I'm all for Kilcane Bear. I, I, we made a big deal of it on our podcast this week. Directed yep. by a woman. <laughs> yes, indeed. Correct. Indeed. What, tell us about making it. Uh, look, it's making money. It's making a ton of money. I'm not, I shouldn't be embarrassed. You know, I, I hope my boss is don't get to hear this. Um, The script came to us by producers Lord and Miller, who are brilliantly funny and inventive and wild. And we knew that um, they were never going to bring us anything that was, you know, regular, that it was, (laughs) you know, that it was always going to be a bit left of center. And the script came across my desk called Cocaine Bear. And um, you know, one one of our executives walked in and said, you got to read this, go home and read it. I did. And it was right in the middle of COVID. And, you know, thinking back to that time, it was when, you know, productions were really hard. We were all dealing with COVID protocols. We didn't really know if people were ever going to come back to a movie theater. All we knew is, you know, we should make things that we thought could get people's attention. Yeah. And we thought Cocaine Bear <laughs> might, might get people's attention. <laughs> and apparently, it um, did. you know, yeah, and as long did. as we could use the title... Yeah. Which we figured out that we could. I mean, you know, a bit of a wing and a prayer in, you know, in marketing materials. And it was so, it was a bit, of, it was greenlit in a bit of a fever dream. I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah. there was definitely like, Whoa, who knows? What like, let's just do it. <laughs> Fuck it. Why nice not? Nice to know. It's called Cocaine Bear. And then the marketing campaign became um, very quickly. Mm, it was just about a bear that took cocaine. Really in fact, if you look more. at the Super Bowl spot, I think. The characters but, you know, snakes say it on five a plane times. did not work. Huh? No, on snakes plane on a plane work, did not but work. But cocaine bear no. did work. Yeah, and cocaine bear did work. It's yeah. a bear that takes cocaine. Yeah. So um, it was less okay. about story. It was not about a mom looking for her kids in the woods. It was yeah. about a bear taking cocaine. Okay, good. And marketing. Marketing. And this is where Michael Moses, yeah. the yeah. reason Michael Moses and I love each other and respect each other is because I understand more than I understand in, with all due respect to your job, the, I understand you less than I understand marketing. Marketing, because I'm like a mar- I'm a marketer. Yeah. I sell yogurt that makes you poop, and it I was got successful. It, got that, got that. I can do. I can sell things. I, I assume the um, the sequel is Ketamine Bear, right? <laughs> we'll be back in a minute. Support for On with Kara Sushir comes from Babbel. 
Our phones have gotten pretty good at translating speech on the fly. If you're traveling to a new country and you'd like to order a chicken sandwich with pickles, an app will probably see you through. But what if you want to chat with your server about the neighborhood, or other dishes on the menu, or your love of pickles? Real conversations with real people don't lend themselves to translation apps. Genuine connection requires a genuine grasp of the language, and that's something Babbel can offer. Babbel is a science-backed language learning app with lessons created by real people for real conversations. Babbel doesn't rely on artificial intelligence to build its 10-minute lessons. Instead, they're handcrafted by more than 200 language experts focused on teaching phrases and vocabulary you'll actually need to communicate. I really like it. I'm using Babbel, and I've been able to use it here in Argentina where I'm visiting my son, Louis. It's a really efficient way to learn a language. I do them very quick. It's 10 minutes. It's very user-friendly. Lots of pictures. I was never good at languages, and I'm really enjoying using the Babbel app. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash swisher. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash swisher, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash swisher. And you know how to spell that. Rules and restrictions may apply. Support for this show comes from the Harvard Business Review. I made a career out of taking to task some of the tech industry's biggest players. And honestly, some of these guys, and they're all guys, really had no clue what they were doing, and they could probably have benefited from some of the resources available at Harvard Business Review. Harvard Business Review is a top source for smart management thinkers. Cultivated by some of the greatest minds in business, the Harvard Business Review is a trove of rigorous insight and best practices. It's more than just the flagship magazine, too. You can find the same level of expertise on hbr.org, and for just $10 a month, a subscription unlocks unlimited access to a variety of resources like hundreds of articles, podcasts, newsletters, case studies, and so much more. I use HBR all the time to look up all kinds of cases, and not just in tech, and also listen to their podcasts, I look at their newsletters, and I I really, 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 most of all, like the articles, which have a different perspective that I might have to give me ideas. While much of Harvard Business Review's content is available for free after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content start at only $10 a month. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code CARA right now to get 10% off your subscription. Again, to save 10% off your HBR subscription, go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code CARA. In 2019, you founded Comet Pictures, a film, TV, and podcast production company with the first deal look. Um, you adapted a book, Paradise, about a California town that was destroyed yes, that, by a wildfire, yep. which we've all read about. Um, you're directing- Lizzie Johnson's book, which yes, there's a story amazing. of a bus driver and a school teacher who saved the life of 23 children. What was happening they were in the lost bus, which was missing for seven hours. They didn't know what happened right, to them. Right, that's the town actually Trump went to and miscalled it something, yes. as I recall. You're yes. directing that film. Is directing? No, no, I'm not no, directing not. that you're film. You're not directing No, I'm going to direct the, the horror, uh, uh, eco horror film that I wrote called Mother Nature, which oh, is. She's uh, mad. Oof. Yeah. Remember that commercial? Remember yeah, the yes. don't mess Be with nice, Mother Nature? Mother Na- yeah. No, they don't. So, no, they don't because they're young and you're in tech. <laughs> yeah. Why yeah. would you have any yeah. reference to it's something? It's not nice to mess with You Mother don't even Nature. know what a quaalude is. Right. <laughs> but Jamie can help you later. Uh, 
So, um, so you want you want to direct though. You want to. I start. do. I, I would like to do it all. Right. Um, I really am hustling getting stories told because I have a limited time, and I'm not saying that in a morbid way. I'm literally saying it in the actuarial table of my insurance company's way. You know, uh, I know what age my parents died, and I'm 64, right. and I have a limited amount of time. So the biggest project that I am dealing with you right now. You also want control, right? You also want to take more control over your process. I want to be able to tell stories and right. I want to be able to see them from idea to Fruition. story. And the biggest one was just announced is Scarpetta, which is taking the books you by Patricia Cornwell and um, wow. that Nicole Kidman is going to play Scarpetta and I'm going to play her sister and we're going to make it for Amazon. Right. Um, and that, that was just quite that a get. alone yeah. will... That was quite a get to get those rights. It's and that's me just hustling. Yeah, Patricia Cornwell's a friend of yours, correct? Uh, I'm. Uh, we are friends, and I never thought that she it, would give you the. Well, that was the perfect call with Patricia. Yeah. Hey, when Blumhouse and I were discussing it, I said, "Well, let me talk to her." Hey, Patricia, who has the rights? Well, I do. No, no, I know you have the rights, Patricia. I mean, of course you have the rights, but I mean, who owns the rights? I do. No, I. I understand. I'm saying who has the option for the rights? No one. And from There that moment, were. it took a year. Wow. But There it's good. It. That's a big one. So what you're doing, I think, is a backdrop of shifting power. Donna, for example, you shift from actors, producers, change the business and economics. Actors and their agents are increasingly pushing for upfront payments rather than profit participation. They're not as reliant on a film's success to get paid. Can you talk a little bit about that shift when you're running a movie company? Because all the economics, yeah. and it's also against the backdrop of a potential writer's strike about to happen. So, <clears throat> you know, I, I think it's important to understand that right now, for the first time in the industry that I've, you know, since I've been in it for over 20 years, 25 years, um, Each company does something slightly different. Even the tech companies, um, the streaming companies, their reason for content is different. They're, they're each different. You know, Apple is selling iPhones, Amazon is all about Prime, and Netflix is, you know, just about the content. The traditional movie studios like ours, um, we're doing it slightly, we're each doing it slightly differently. So what's sort of, un what's underneath the, the, the economics is, All of the windowing structure, that's how we make our money. It's all in downstream mm -hmm. revenue. So it's less about, I mean, it's a lot about the box office. The box office is actually really important, um, but it's all about the ancillary revenue. So <clears throat> those economics for us are what drive all of our decisions in terms of what we spend on content and what we spend on marketing that content. So, um, you know, I, I actually think that, that for our studio, we're, we're not too far away from how it's always been done in terms of how we compensate. Mm -hmm. We are less about, you know, we do a combination of, you know, upfront plus back end or, you know, all of those kinds of things. I mean, those deals, the big lucrative first dollar, mm -hmm. you know, everyone's making a dollar the minute the movie opens. Those are a thing of the past. Those kind of went away at the, during the last um Uh, writer's strike, in the, which coincided with the economic recession. So our economics are very similar. Um, but, you know, what we tend to do is we made a decision not to go. We don't go head-to-head -head with the streamers in terms of those big package sales that mm -hmm. go out there and they sell for oodles of money. We well, can't that's drying up, of course. And yeah. it is drying up. But there was a moment in time where we've always been a studio where we've said, you know, we, we kind of have to, you know, 
our challenges are our, our opportunities. So we, we never want to be too reliant on the marketplace, if you will. We develop a lot in-house. We rely on our creative partners to, to bring us the things that we're going to end up greenlighting and Do making. You, it, size matters in Hollywood now, too, though. Um, Amazon acquired so. MGM. There's the Warner Discovery merger. They may merge again. I think they may have to. Getting sold to someone like Comcast, um, which already owns NBC Universal. Paramount may be sold. How big is enough in the world of Amazons and Netflixes and Apple TV Pluses? I spoke to Bob Iger in September. He said Disney might not be big enough. Um, how do you look at that? And I loved from a talent perspective. And then we just got one more question after that because we've got a time. Do you want me to go first? Yes, please. Well, I'll go really fast. Um, you know, yes, when you look at the ecosystem, size does matter. But we are driven by profitability and it is possible. I'm just, I can only really speak about Universal at this mm -hmm. moment and like the Universal Film Studio. We know how to be profitable. We know how many movies we need to make, what they need to make. We know how to sort of manage our business model, our economics, what kind of movies are going to break out, Cocaine Bear, Halloween, genre movies, big animation movies, Jurassic World. We kind of know how to do almost a portfolio approach to our slate in order for us to be profitable and for us so to be successful. you're not sweating over streaming. We That's are not sweating over streaming right now. We're not, right. We can't because... You know, I think if we've learned anything in the in the sort of ups and downs of the last few years with all of this disruption, including the pandemic, is at the end of the day, Jamie said it, it's about storytelling. And I know that sounds almost you know, a romanticized view, but it's not. It is about partnering with content creators. It is about working with best in class, people who are going to cut through to the audience, people who you guys want to show up to a movie theater or pay money or, or, you know, put any effort into watching or seeing or viewing anything. And, you know, making a slate based on those things. Um, and if you lose sight of that, then you're kind of like fucked. all in on streaming. All, all in on streaming, all in on this, all in on that. The one thing I do know that movies matter when they're in a movie theater and they have a big global campaign behind them and they get that big, you know, that's what makes them culturally relevant. That what That's what makes them last and stand the test of time. It's what makes people relevant who are in them and who have made them. And I think it's what makes an audience kind of excited to Although engage with them. streaming can't be excited. How do you think of it as I think talent? in TV, I, I, have... I think in TV it can happen in streaming. It happens yes. less in mo with movies. Yes. Um, uh, my answer is everything everywhere all at once, which yeah, was made for right. $12.5 million for right now today. in 38 days yeah. in Simi Valley, California, in the old um, countrywide savings and loan uh, campus. And that movie has made over $100 million in box office because of the content of the creation of these artists. And I'm very happy to say that the Daniels, who are the young filmmakers who made it, have made their home universal because they recognized that's how this works. So how do you think of it? You've got this streaming deal with Amazon. You've got this as a talent person and someone who's now a producer. What, how do you look at what to pick from? I just want to get it done. Right. I'm, I know it sounds terrible. I've saved money, you guys. I've actually saved the money I've made. I don't, I'm, this isn't about money for me. Right. This is about creativity. It's about seeing something through to the end. It's about having opportunities to be a boss, to be able to tell the kind of stories I want to tell. And that's what I'm going to focus on. And the business part, believe me, my lawyer would not like me to be saying this to you since we're still in negotiations on things. But that's actually how I feel. And fuck right. it. Um, 
When is your movie with Tom Cruise? I'm super excited. I told him I'd like to play his mother. I said, <laughs> I said, Tom, come on. Come on. Me is your mom. Let's go. But he hasn't called. Okay. On that note, thanks. Jamie Lee Curtis, Donna. Thank Langley. you, Donna. Thank you. Thank you, Cara. Thank you. I didn't know you became a lesbian because a man touched your foot from behind no. while you were watching <laughs> Halloween. Is that how it happens? No, I, but I, it was Chris Wallace, and I'm going to name him. <laughs> Oh, um, he grabbed my Chris feet. Wallace? Chris Wallace? No, not that Chris Wallace. No. Oh, my God. No. That would be a, little, that would be a strange relationship. He doesn't little... seem like a feet grabber, I got to say. He also yeah. was not in my high school. He was, <laughs> yes. was a lot older than I am. Well, um, would turn you less bad. Uh, no, he just did this. He thought it was hysterical and scared the shit out of me. I don't like horror movies. I, I just don't like them. Just don't like them. Just yeah. won't watch them. I never do. I'll never go. I'll never watch them. I don't like those Purge movies or mm-hmm. Saw. or Those aren't really horror movies. They're just grotesque. Um, the only one I watched was Get Out, which I thought was terrific. Oh, it was fantastic. Suspense. That one I did, but usually I avoid them at all costs. So. He's doing another film, which is going to be great based on the short story, The Sinkhole. Um, one thing that struck me is what Jamie was saying. When you asked her if she was going to win, and she said she would be happy for any of these women to win oh, because yeah. they've been spending so much time on Zooms. Mm-hmm. I just thought, like, dudes do not care if they mm-hmm. meet you on Zoom. They're like, yeah. I'm going to win. Yeah. I mean, she's right. All the all the nominees are fantastic, They're by fantastic. the way. And uh, deserve it of it. But nonetheless, um, it really is an Angela Bassett versus Jamie Lee Curtis kind of thing, I think. But um, I Stephanie Shu could come from behind. Mm, and- no, not going to happen. Nice to be nominated. In any case, um, I think that she was being kind. I mean, I would be like, yeah, I want to win. I totally want to kick ass. Oh, thing. we know what you would be like. I know, I'd be like, <laughs> I deserve the Oscar. Um, yes. I thought it was great. And I thought, you know, Donna was very uh, deft about how distribution is happening and how you make movies. And she was great. I thought it was great. It was a very insightful. She's very kind. She's very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and and both of them, it was a really great. I really enjoyed this interview. I know everyone loved the Benioff one because we whacked each other back and forth. But yeah. um, in There's this case, no whacking. I, here. No whacking, but very insightful yeah. ideas about where Hollywood's going. I like Donna's point. It's possible for women to get one film made, but the drop-off yeah. happens from the first to the second. I hadn't really thought about that and how hard it is, therefore, to get into the best director category. The third. The third, the fourth. Yeah. I yeah. mean, once you probably get to the third, it might be a bit more of a runoff. But Maybe. There's not that many. There's I know. Many. So anyway. Do you agree that movies are only culturally relevant when they're in a cinema? No, I don't. A lot of movies that would have gone to the theater are now on... Netflix, um, there's a couple there I noticed that absolutely would have been in the theaters and are doing rather well on Netflix or whatever streaming service uh, they're on. Yeah. So, Though in the pandemic, when Jason Kyler killed the movie theater, so to speak. Um, movie theaters killed the movie theater. But there weren't that many culturally relevant films during that time. So, I, no, it was an interesting thought. I, I disagreed with her. My instinct was to disagree with her. But then I thought, well, maybe there is that. Going I, to a cinema. I think for big, big uh, blockbusters like Fast and Furious, I want to see in the theater. Top Gun, I saw in the theater, but I've watched it on the plane several yeah. times. So it's just whatever the consumer wants. <laughs> How many times have you watched it? A lot, a lot, a lot. I downloaded okay. Plane again and oh, bought it. Snakes on a Plane, you mean? No, Plane. It's a movie. Oh, Gerard Butler. Yes. It's a huge hit that nobody talks about. Another journeyman actor who would mm-hmm. love to get on the show. He would be great. Um, and I was watching a plane crash movie on a plane. So someone was like, do you really want to watch it? I go, I really do. So yeah. That's the kind of person you are. Anyways, I love that Donna said that Cocaine Bear was greenlit in a fever dream, and she's right about it getting people's attention. I'm going to go watch it right now. And can you read us out while I do that, Kara? I shall. 
Today's show was produced by Naeem Araza, Blake Nishik, Christian Castro-Rossell, Rafaela Seward, and Megan Burney, with special thanks to the team at the Upfront Summit. Thank you so much. Our engineers are Fernanda Aruda and Rick Kwan. Our theme music is by Trackademics. If you're already following the show, you get your very own multiverse if you don't have it already. If not, you get an audit from Deirdre Bobirdra. Go wherever you listen to podcasts, search for On with Kara Swisher and hit follow. Thanks for listening to On with Kara Swisher from New York Magazine, the Vox Media Podcast Network and us. We'll be back on Monday with more. Maybe you'll have won the Oscar by then. Probably. Probably.